0: Hey everybody, welcome to episode 11 of Internal Budget. If you like the podcast and you're so inclined, be sure to donate on Patreon, patreon.com slash Brandon Mackey. I would really appreciate it. Guys, we have a very special guest today. She is the Ottawa Senators beat writer for The Athletic, and she's been everywhere from in arena host uh, for the Oshawa Generals to CBC Toronto. Folks, please give it up for the incredible Haley Salvian. Haley, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah, so uh, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Um, I'm sure much of our base knows who you are, but uh, for those who don't, uh, why don't you just give them a brief rundown of kind of who you are, what you do, everything like that?
1: Yeah, sure. So uh, my name's Haley. Uh, I am the Ottawa Senators reporter for the Athletic NHL. So I moved to to Ottawa in September. I grew up in, uh, oh, I grew up in Fergus, Ontario, this little small town um, in southwestern Ontario. Uh, But I lived in Toronto for about seven years, and then I moved here to Ottawa in September to cover the Senators. Um, So if anyone's maybe not familiar with The Athletic, we are really big on kind of in-depth feature writing. You know, we don't normally cover things that happen in the game unless there's maybe one particular um, piece of something that was really interesting that happened in the game that we can maybe go a little bit more in depth in so we're very much um, trying to change sports reporting you know we don't do the game recaps we don't do a lot of the the day-to-day stuff but we try to go really in depth and everything that we do there so it's been really cool um, you know being my first year on this beat just trying to build relationships uh, trying to figure out what works and what doesn't work in this market. Um, so it's been really cool. Yeah, I'm like, I, I don't know if this season's done or what's going on, but I'm, I guess, almost done my first season here, so I've been really enjoying Ottawa, but yeah, that's kind of the gist about me. Um, I don't know, like, I could get into some of the stuff on how I got to this point. I don't know if that's interesting, but that's the, that's kind of it about me. That's the Spark Notes version.
0: <laughs> yeah, so you used to be um... Uh, in arena host for Oshawa, right? And you did some work at Ryerson as well?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I went to Ryerson University for journalism. So I did the four-year Bachelor of Journalism program. I did not do the sport media program. I know that's a a pretty renowned program there. Um, But when I was in journalism, I did some of the RTA broadcasts. So I did color commentary and and sideline and ringside stuff for them. Uh, But I did do the Bachelor of Journalism program. So I very much learned how to do news and politics and investigative plus sports plus writing radio television Uh, so I I found that I came out of that program pretty well-rounded and that that helped me a lot because my first job in the industry was actually in news so I worked for CBC News Toronto that was my first job while I was still in university uh, I just started like rolling the teleprompter and running scripts uh, at the national so I was I guess what like 20 years old and I was like running scripts to Peter Mansbridge and that was pretty cool. Um and then I kind of just kept moving up from there at CBC and I stayed there for my first two years out of university. Um and then I went so I did radio and TV producing and then I did radio and web reporting and then I was a TV news reporter in Saskatchewan. Um and then I pitched a freelance story to the Athletic Toronto wrote the freelance piece, got hired after the freelance piece. So I left Saskatchewan and came back to Toronto and started working for the athletic there. Um, And I worked for the Oshawa generals while I was at CBC news as well, uh, just because I knew sports and sport broadcast was what I always wanted to get into. So although I was working full time in news, I always wanted to have a little entry point into sports. So I got in with the Oshawa generals and did their in arena hosting for the two full seasons while I was um, while I was working at CBC. And then when I got hired by The Athletic, I finished up my season with Oshawa. And then I unfortunately had to leave because it is a conflict of interest working for, for a hockey club while you cover sure. hockey. Um, but Oshawa was awesome, CBC was great, and, and The Athletic's been really awesome as well.
0: Yeah, that's so cool. So you've gotten more experience already than a lot of people get in their entire careers.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of it's just taking the opportunities and not even just waiting for them to come, but trying to find opportunities. Uh, Like I said, you know, sports was always what I wanted to do, but I knew how competitive the industry was. So I wanted to make sure that I wasn't a one trick pony per se. So Mm -hmm. that's why I was really glad I did the Bachelor of Journalism program because it gave me the tools to be able to be successful in, in whatever I decided to do and whatever the opportunities were. So That's why I was able to work in news and kind of climb the ladder a little bit at CBC. And, you know, I didn't just wait for things to come to me. You know, I was producing um, pretty early on and I loved being an associate producer. I loved helping reporters with their stories, gathering stuff, you know, internet, (laughs) stalking Mm -hmm. people to find cool story ideas for the local news. Um, But I knew that I wanted to move up, so I you know, approach them about doing radio reporting and doing more web. And then I said, you know, I really want to do TV. Uh, and I asked them like, hey, do you think I could take the summer and go somewhere else? And they were really supportive of that. So I uh, emailed a bunch of the smaller market news stations at CBC and just said, hey, I already do X, Y, Z in Toronto. I know a lot of people take the summers off. Would you mind if I, you know, came out there? I'd love to help you guys out and cover some of your vacation time. Um, And CBC Saskatchewan replied right away and said, yeah, like, why don't you come down for the summer? Um, So, you know, I'd like to say that I got lucky, but I also like really sought out some of these opportunities. Like I said, I pitched a freelance piece to The Athletic. um, And it was a story about Natalie Achanwa and, you know, the life of a WNBA player who also, you know, could play for three teams in one season because that's just the life of a female basketball player. Um, And when I pitched that story, I guess it did pretty well. And, and, you know, Myrtle and and Sean Fitzgerald, who was my managing editor at the time for the Toronto site, they kind of saw like, you know, we don't have anyone writing about this kind of offbeat, you know, underrepresented and uh, undercovered leagues and and athletes. So uh, I kind of got brought on to do that. I was a general assignment reporter, so I very much covered, you know, women's sports and then the Toronto Marlies as well. So my background in sports was a bit more in prospects. Um, so that's why here in Ottawa, I've spent a lot of time in Belleville, because uh, mm-hmm. it takes me back to my, my roots, I guess.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that works out really well for you then, just because the prospects are of such importance for an Ottawa team this year. I've, I've been a Sens fan all my life, and uh, I don't think in terms of development, I've been around for a year more important than this so that's really cool how that kind of worked out timing wise um yeah so all that it brought you all the way to ottawa um kind of an unorthodox first season for you i guess uh yeah so what are what are are some of the things that kind of stuck out to you this year things you enjoyed other than the obvious of course
1: yeah i mean like I said, I I was in Toronto with the Marlies before and for me coming into an NHL beat, it's completely different cuz I guess in like in the American League for the most part practice days, I was the only reporter there. So the room's not open. So you base cuz they're not going to open the locker room for one person to go in. Yeah. Um, it makes sense logistically. So you would essentially just request the people and they would come out and you would chat with them. So in that sense, it's a little bit difficult to build relationships in the American league. You really just need to be there every day and they'll start seeing your face. And, you know, you're not just that random person who came as a one-off to do a story on a prospect. You're there every single day and they'll, they'll see your face as they're coming off the ice and stuff. So I found with the Marlies, it took me a little bit longer to um, start building a rapport and relationships. And I found in Ottawa, um, you know, it was a bit more, maybe not intimidating, isn't the right word, because I wasn't intimidated. But I also, you know, say when training camp opened, I, um, I kind of just spent the first day watching and seeing how everyone else operated and kind of seeing how that worked. And um, I don't know, I I was really pleasantly surprised just, you know, coming from um, covering a team where you really just have to be there every single day, the room's not open, you can't, you can't really just go up to the PR person and request a player just to be like, Hey, how are you? How's your wife? How's your kids? Mm -hmm. You don't really have the opportunity for, for those kind of conversations. So probably my favorite part about this season is just, um, the opportunity to build relationships. Like I said, off the top, you know, the athletic, we're really big on features and you don't get those really great features if you don't have a trust with a player. Um, you can't just go up to a guy day one and be like, tell me everything that's you know been difficult and trying in your life and I'm going to write about it because they're going to be like, who are you? Um, I don't really trust you. Like, what, do you what, are, what are your intentions here? So probably my favorite part and the most pleasant surprise has just been the relationship building. Um, there's a lot of really great people in that senator's locker room, um, a lot of great players, a lot of great media. So I think that was probably the most surprising and most pleasant part for me. I know it's like not an on ice thing and it's certainly not something that maybe fans would, um, you know, recognize as being really cool. But for me as a journalist, it's been really cool. Um, And then I find that's been able to help me maybe tell uh, stories that I wouldn't have been able to do if I didn't already kind of have that relationship built. Um, Like the one on Mark Borowiecki and Tara at the trade deadline. Mm -hmm. If I didn't, you know, lay the groundwork, the months before and just saying, Hey, Mark, how are you? I'm like, how's your wife? I hear she's pregnant. <laughs> like, how's Tara? How's the baby? You know, if you don't have those little conversations, Mark Borowiecki never ever gonna say like, Yeah, let's sit down. And I'll tell you, you know, something that's very, very personal to me and my family, like that never happens. So that's probably been the best part of the season. Um, on the ice, I was pleasantly surprised with the compete level of the team I think kind of coming into it you know you hear from everyone like oh look at their roster like it's not going to be a great year you know they're going to be projected to be last again second last and well it might be true that as of right now they're 30th in the NHL um, they don't really play like a team that's in the basement Um, obviously they they certainly lack the high-end skill of you know, the top tier teams, and and that's not a shot at the senators. I think
0: no, of course not.
1: everybody everybody knows that. I think even the players know that right now they don't have, you know, the all- star caliber forwards or whatever that may be. But they play at such a high compete level. And I was, you know, I think that comes from DJ. Smith and the culture that he brought into that team. And that kind of just goes back for me with the relationship I had with Oshawa and you know, everywhere DJ Smith has coached, he's kind of brought that really hardworking tenacity character into his locker rooms, into his hockey clubs. And if you talk to anyone who coached against him in junior, um, like they know, like anyone who's coached in junior against DJ that's now in the NHL, like they know what the senators are going to bring to the table because that's just what DJ does. Um, so I was really pleasantly surprised with um, the compete level of this hockey club, I think. Um, if that culture stays and then they start building that skill up with all the prospects that, you know, you mentioned, it's a really great prospect pool. If they can start getting that skill in there and a really great culture, I think, you know, it's laying the foundation for some success. That's been really great, too, to, to kind of watch from the inside.
0: Yeah, I think um, one of the things that, well, the feeling is a lot different around the team this year. Uh, I don't know how closely you followed them last year, but it was just in terms of a fan perspective and everything, it was just a, a completely miserable hockey season. You knew they were just going to be awful. You knew that Duchesne and Dizingle and especially Mark Stone, that was the big one. They weren't going to be around at the end of the season. Uh, and a lot of the fans were bitter about that. And on top of that, um, there was the prospect of handing Colorado a lottery pick. So, that's one thing that's just kind of struck me is just how different the attitude is among the fans this year. There's just so much more optimism, you know, even when they do lose a lot of games. I think they they rattled off something like nine losses in a row at to start January. It was just there was just that awful stretch they had at the beginning of the year. And everyone was still pretty upbeat, um, just kind of taking things for what they're worth and keeping it all in perspective. One thing I do want to ask you, because I think this is something that a lot of members of the hockey media get wrong about Ottawa and it's about the fans you know there's this weird perception among certain circles that there's just not a fan base here this isn't a viable you know it's not a true hockey market but as someone who's followed the team since they made their run to the cup final in 2007 someone who's been to a couple playoff games um that were just packed to the rafters and louder than you can even imagine uh, that that's always been something that kind of bugs me so what's been your perception of the senators fans through your first year covering the team
1: yeah I mean I think for me I I see it in a few different ways right because I am pretty active on Twitter and I try to engage a lot with people online as well um, and then obviously being at the games and being on the road like I was in Nashville uh, and there was a ton of Senators fans in Nashville who made the trip. They made it a little vacation. You know, they're walking on Broadway with their uh like Brady Kachuk, Bobby Ryan jerseys. And I thought that was really cool. Um and then, you know, obviously there's very obvious attendance issues with the, the hockey club and there's a ton of different reasons for that. And I don't really want to speculate on, you know, the reasons for fans of doing that because it's not my, you know, uh yep jurisdiction I guess you know fans have their reasons and they're obviously you know really pat like they're real I find it like it's because they're so passionate the team that they're taking that stance and that's their decision to make and I'm not going to you know make judgments on the fans or whomever for those reasons I think it is for me it is disappointing when I'm in the press box and I hear like Carrie Price chants in Ottawa um, <laughs> to see that like when Montreal's in town like and I think my first game it was preseason and the fans were cheering like austin matthews in preseason i think i tweeted like oh my god like they're they're chanting <laughs> for austin matthews and
0: welcome to yeah, ottawa
1: my replies being like you're dumb like you're so new like this welcome to ottawa and i'm just like i'm not trying to be mean here like i am new everyone knows i'm new like this is kind of crazy but i guess that's just kind of leafs and, and habs fever and you know that's I guess that's normal but I don't know I think from my interactions with fans there's a lot of really passionate Sens fans I I don't think there's a lack of a fan base here I don't think that's the issue I think there's a ton of other issues kind of wrapped up into that and it's very complicated And, and being new here it's been um I think not a learning curve but it's been different to um to learn about from not having been here for years and years and years, right? Like I can hear about the history and I can hear about the reasons of X, Y, Z, um, but without having experienced it for as long as many other people have, it's it's um, like, I don't have the same, maybe understanding is not the right word because I do get it, but I haven't lived it and experienced it. I'm hearing about it. Um, but this year I've found that there's a ton of really passionate Suns fans. And I think if anyone says, you know, I see the jokes. I still have a lot of like Toronto media and Toronto fans that that follow me because I'm from there. And, you know, I've gotten the jokes of like, oh, but they have no fans. And I just don't think that's true. And I think it's low hanging fruit and it's, you know, kind of crummy jokes to make because I think that's, you know, a disrespect to the really passionate fans who have followed this team for a really long time.
0: Yeah, it if makes
1: any sense. of that made sense. No, 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 <laughs> that was, was my rambly way of maybe answering that question.
0: No, I was about to say, it, it makes total sense. Everything you're seeing now has, has been building for a long time. And I think any Sens fan that is worth their salt would attest to that. This is not something that happened overnight. It's been a gradual uh, build-up, we'll say. As far as Montreal and Toronto go, Again, that just comes with the success of the team. In 2013, when the Sens played Montreal in the playoffs... Uh, there was the game where Pajot had his hat trick and then they had the big line brawl at center ice. Um, There was nobody booing the Sens that game when they decisively won the game and decisively won the line brawl, right? So it's one of those things to me where if you build it, they will come. And once this team is competitive again and competing for a playoff spot, and that day will come because the talent is there, right? The core is in place. It's just a question of adding, like you like you said, the high-end talent. So that's something that'll go away, I think, too. Uh, why don't we shift gears here and let's talk about what's going on in the NHL right now, which is absolutely nothing. Uh, the league's been on stoppage for a couple weeks now due to the ongoing COVID-19 crisis. Haley, someone as someone whose livelihood it is to cover the day-to-day operations of an NHL hockey team, um, what has it been like to kind of have to shift your focus and, you know, just, I don't know, I don't know what the strategy is for you guys there, but like us at Silver Seven, we're just, we're trying to come up with new ideas every day, just to drum up content, right? Just cause you got to do something. So what's it been like for you? How has it kind of thrown you for a loop in your day to day life? And what have you been kind of doing to circumvent it and try to get around it, if that makes sense?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it is difficult and it's it's different because, you know, if you look at the final uh, game of the season would have been uh, this coming Saturday on the fourth against Pittsburgh and, you know, the games and the practices and the day to day took up so much of my schedule and then having those gone, it's kind of just like, okay, I'm home all day. I'm self-isolating, I'm social distancing. So um, it's not like I'm really going out and doing anything else. And, and, you know, with a lot of the NHL teams, like players aren't being made available, so you can't exactly just call somebody up, um, and you don't want to step on PR's toes or go over anyone's head and just, you know, send the guy a message and be like, hey, can we talk about X, Y, Z? So you kind of have to, for me at least, find out what are the avenues I'm allowed to go through right now to find stories, and then work your way around the ones that are maybe roadblocked, and then you know, take the opportunities that are coming. So. Um, for example you know some of the Belleville players have been made available to me because I've reached out and asked um, through their communications department so I had a story about you know what's Josh Norris and Joey Decord and Parker Kelly doing to kind of pass the time right now something a little bit more fun um, and that was something that some fans had said on Twitter that they were you know what are the guys doing I'd love to see what some of the players are doing um, the Sens weren't made available but the Belleville players were so it's just kind of um, coming up with your ideas, seeing what's going to work, and then maybe pivoting if, if you hit a roadblock. So for me, it's very much the same. I spend a lot of my time brainstorming, um, just coming up with ideas that, you know, can be done without the access that you would get on a day-to-day basis if the league was still um, running as normal. Um, so things that you can just write, um, you know, we're very much it's difficult because we don't know if it's going to be if the games are going to be back there's going to be a really short regular season coming back or if it's going to go right to playoffs which would mean that the senators would no longer be playing there's so much up in the air that it's like okay do i start my off-season programming now or do i maybe wait a little bit or do i do it now and then if they play again then i you know go back to game stuff and then i restart my off-season stuff so you kind of for me, I'm just kind of trying to figure out what's going to work and what's not. Um, I'm still working. I'm still writing. It's just obviously not the same cadence as it would have been if there was games and practices, because there's a lot of content that comes from that. Um, but yeah, I think with The Athletic, we've had a lot of, we've had some really great leadership in the sense that, you know, greater minds than mine are coming up with really cool um, blitz ideas. So that's something our company does work. You know, everybody in different markets will have a piece on a different theme. So one blitz that we did at the beginning of the season was um, the culture Blitz. So that's when everyone was coming out with, you know, Katie Strang had that great story on um, you know the the cocaine and the Molly problems in the NHL and some guys were writing about you know, the wine clubs at different teams and all these different little things. So we have a few of those, um, I think, that are gonna be planned. Um, and then it's just, you know, I think I'm going to maybe go back to some prospect stuff because that is still really important. And, you know, Belleville was going to be primed to have a really deep playoff run. So, yeah, like I said, it's a lot of planning. Um, it's just trying to get what I can get and making the best of it because, you know, I'm healthy. My family's healthy. Like I still I'm still really grateful to ha- to have my full time job and the support of my company. So um, for me, I'm just trying to do the best with what I can and make the best of the situation. And you know, I just hope that everyone, you know, in the real world, like outside of, you know, my work bubble here is, you know, safe and healthy. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, my job is very unimportant compared to what's going on in the world. So, you know, maybe I'm not writing as much and maybe my stuff's not as good as it could have been if there was still a league. But like in the grand scheme of things, that doesn't really matter. Right.
0: Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um... Do you think there will be, we'll see even a, a, pl- a brief playoff or maybe a condensed playoff? Do you think we'll even see hockey by the fall? Like wh- wh- what are your kind of thoughts on it?
1: Yeah, I think I go back and forth on it. Cause I think, you know, I watch the news like every day when there's all these briefings, you know, the prime minister will speak and then the ministers will speak and, and Dr. Tam has talked every day. Um, and then you see the CDC recommendations I think it was two weeks ago now that they said, you know, minimum eight weeks. So okay. that's two months. So that's the minimum, right? So, and then like, are fans going to be allowed in the building? Um, are players going to want to play in front of fans? Is it going to be safe for the players? Because now there's four that have tested positive, uh, four players, a couple you know, the the play-by-play voice in St. Louis, you know, obviously Gord Wilson's tested positive here in Ottawa, our color commentator here. Um, So it's, there's a lot of health and safety questions and concerns. And I just think it's, there's no script, there's no blueprint for any of this. You know, it's, everything's constantly changing. Everyone keeps saying it's unprecedented and it's so fluid, Um, but it's true. So it's hard to predict what's going to happen here um, because things are constantly changing. And I don't, think canada has like hit that peak like we're not coming down the hill yet so i think you kind of have to wait and see what happens here and then obviously you know if canada stabilizes what's over there exactly have the sets go over and play in pittsburgh like they're supposed to if the border's still closed and in the u.s it's still having a pandemic um so i don't know i you know i'm optimistic you know you hear what gary bettman and Donald Beer and and Bill Daly have been saying, excuse me. And, you know, their priority is the health and safety of players and fans, but they also want to have a Stanley cup awarded at the end of whatever the season may look like. So I think one of the things that we've heard tossed around, and I believe Darren Dreger was talking about this and, um, you know, he obviously has a lot better sources and information than I do, but I think some of the stuff that's been talked about is, you know, having a return in the summer, um, a quick, a quick regular season, playoffs, then you have your your draft, your awards, your free agency and then you have this, you know, training camp and then the start of the next hockey season like at the first week of November. I think that's one of the things that I've heard that's been tossed around a lot. So if that's true then you know, I think there could be a return but you know, like I said, I have I have no idea. I if I'm going to be an optimist, I think that there's going to be hockey. I don't think fans will be in the stands for whatever return is made. But I think there will be, um, you know, if, if everything works out. But I don't know, honestly.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's really interesting. I I said it on last week's episode with Spencer. I said the problem is it needs to be such a concerted effort, right? Like if, if we get yeah. a handle on it here in Canada, that's great. But if the States is still a mess or more of a mess, God forbid, than they are now, then it's probably not going to happen. Uh, it's yeah. interesting. It, Yeah, it's. it's you have to think
1: of, like, oh, sorry. No, no,
0: no, go ahead, go ahead, sorry. Players
1: who maybe went home as well, right? Like, I I don't know if this is true or not, but, like, if Leon Dreisaitl went home to Germany, like, is he going to be, like, if he comes back, then he'll probably have to quarantine for two weeks, and then how many players are going to be technically quarantining before things can get started again? You probably not probably you'll need a training camp because most of these players are at home like filling their backpacks with rocks trying to like make weights um like not everyone has a home gym right so Mm -hmm. there's a lot of little details and you know I have the faith in you know the leadership with the NHL that they will get things sorted but really you can't make any decisions or do anything until you see what's going on in the world but I, I do think that they have like a a plan a b c d and then as like the timeline keeps moving some of these plans will obviously will naturally you know be removed and you have to move on to the next one depending on the timeline of everything that happens like in terms of what's going on in the world right
0: yeah based based on what you know about the players and kind of how they think and who they are as people do you think that kind of Condensed end of regular season and playoffs in the summer is something that appeals to them, or or do you think there are going to be guys that say, "Hey, look, you know, let's just write this season off and do this again in in the in the fall."
1: I don't know if there's really, you know, I can't really speak to all of them, but you know, they're all competitors, right? I don't really know who out there is going to say like, "Let's just can it." I think they're all natural competitors, and and certainly for the team, I think it's more for you know, the teams who had Stanley Cup chances, they probably want to come back and play. And I think yeah. it just depends on where you're at. I think maybe trying to get, like, the Detroit Red Wings and the Sens and, like, the Kings to, you know, do a training camp, get back to play, like, three regular season games, like, the motivation for that is a little bit different than the motivation for, say, the the Islanders who, you know, went through a, a pretty bad stretch there <laughs> after acquiring Pajot. You know, they probably want a few more. They want games in the regular season back so they can make the playoffs. And then you think of teams who are a little bit even more on the bubble. Um, I, you know, I didn't even look at it based on the points percentage, but there's a few teams. I think the Canucks are like one point out of the playoffs. So they have more motivation than others to, yeah, let's have three more, six more, however it may be games of the regular season so we can make the playoffs or at least try to. Um, So I think, you know, that motivation level probably depends on the team, right? If it's going to be three or six games, you know, having a training camp and getting everyone back here for teams who are way, way, way out of playoff position, it's going to be a little bit more tough. Um, But I think everyone's a competitor and I think all these players are here because they love hockey too, right? So I don't know if there's anyone who's fully just saying like, I'm just going to stay home. I don't want to do this but I certainly think that the motivation is different um, d- depending on where you are in the standings naturally.
0: Yeah. The team I keep coming back to is the Boston Bruins because just based on the hockey I've watched this year, I've looked at the Bruins and I've said, I think if one team is going to win the cup, it's going to be them, especially if Tuka Rask can have another playoff like he did last season. Uh, take me through the last couple weeks of, I guess what ended up being the last couple weeks of the season, because this thing obviously started to escalate in North America. There were more cases, more cases, more cases, and it kind of started to encroach on the world of pro sports. Uh, The Sens had the game in San Jose where it was played with fans against the advice of public health officials in Santa Clara. What was that kind of like for you? Were you on the California trip? Sorry.
1: Yeah, so I wasn't on the California trip. So for me, I was kind of watching it all from afar. Um, And it was pretty weird though, you know, I don't even really know at what point I really started taking, not that I didn't take it seriously, but if you know what I mean, like there was still maybe like one case or no cases in Canada. Like you could see it growing in other places in the world, but I don't think we really understood how crazy it was until it got here and it got bad. Um, But yeah, I wasn't on that California trip. I think for me, what signaled how crazy this got was, it was, I guess, two weeks ago. Yeah, two weeks ago on Friday. So where was it? Uh, It was like the 16th. So like, yeah, two weeks ago on a Monday. No, no, it was like Tuesday, Wednesday. And I was, you know, chatting with someone from the National Women's Hockey League. And the Isabel Cup final was set for the Friday the 20th. And I was going to set up some phone interviews. And they're like, why don't you just come to Boston? Like, come to Boston, cover the the game like we'll give you xyz it'll be a great story and I was like you know what that's actually pretty awesome like the sends are on the road I'm not on this road trip and I was chatting with my editors and we were like yeah this is great like and then I think in the back of my mind I was like do I want to travel with everything because it was just kind of starting to get bad at that was the point at which you know Santa Clara was saying you know no mass gatherings um certain things were being postponed and canceled the women's world championships um, had been canceled with the IHF at that point. So it was really starting to get kind of bad at that point. And I was like, you know, do I want to go? And I was kind of balancing that decision of, do I go to Boston right now? And then, uh, it was like, Yeah, it was like the Tuesday where I'm like, yeah, maybe I'll go. And then Wednesday, I was like, oh, God, like, I don't think I should go. And then the Thursday, I was like, oh, no, no, like, I'm not going to Boston. And then the Friday, it got canceled. And I was like, oh, my God, like, it just happened so quickly, like in the span of two, three days, just everything kind of went, you know, it got real for everybody. And I was like, I'm so glad I didn't go to Boston. And I felt so bad for the players, because, you know, it was the Thursday morning, I was it was Wednesday morning, I was like interviewing them about how excited they were for this game over the phone. And then, you know, the next day it's canceled. Like it, everything just started to happen so quickly. And I think for me, that kind of like is the the perfect image of how everything happened. It was like, yeah, I'm going to go to Boston. And then two days later, I was like, oh God, yeah, I'm not going to Boston. Like it, it was pretty crazy how quickly everything happened.
0: I will never forget that night. Uh, that the Sens were playing in LA because everything just happened at once. You know, you got word that, uh, the NBA game was getting called off for some reason. And apparently people were frantic and there were doctors running onto the court and stuff. And I, I'm not a huge basketball fan, but I was obviously, I was on Twitter cause I was getting ready to, you know, watch the Sens and everything like that. It was a 10 o'clock start and we're seeing all this happen and so it's like oh this game's getting called off this is weird this probably isn't good then it's boom player test positive boom NBA canceled boom NHL's probably going to be canceled and it just happened yeah. in this span of 3 hours at breakneck speed and that feeling of watching that sending game that night just completely on autopilot it yeah. it's something I'll never I'll never ever forget um just yeah, like, it just happened. Like, I, I'm, I'm struggling to even put it in, into words because... I
1: know, yeah. It, and
0: it, I messed up my surreal. timeline.
1: That women's hockey game was the 13th. So that game, the women's final was supposed to be, you know, two days after that Kings game. So it was Perfect. like, NBA's gone, NHL's gone. I guess I'm not going to Boston anymore. Like, that whole week was just crazy.
0: Yeah, it was, it was so surreal because it was... It it was scary, like it was confusing, and again, it's not like there was advance notice, right? Like the NBA canceled on a dime. Um, I thought the NHL was gonna cancel, come out and cancel right that night. Like they said, "Hey, the games are playing tonight, and then we're done." Um, yeah. It was just so bizarre. Uh, was that kind of the same experience for you? Like, were you were you following like the Senators that night in LA and everything like that, or?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I was like watching the Sens game and then I was on Twitter and my, like one of my best friends, we met in Oshawa. She's their manager of like game day and communications and, and community stuff. Like she has like, five jobs with Oshawa. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. But her and I were like messaging back and forth. Like we'll always send each other stuff on like, uh, we'll like send each other like a DM on Twitter with different news and stuff. And I think Tom Hanks, like the Tom Hanks diagnosis came out first.
0: Yeah. That was the same day. Yeah.
1: Craziest couple hours where it was just like, she messages me like, no, not Tom Hanks. And, (laughs) and her and I had plans to actually hang out. Um, If I, I think at that point I decided, you know, like Boston's not happening. I'm going to go back. I'm going to go to the Jens game. Like I'm going to go back to Oshawa. I'm going to go see my friend. We're going to go watch the Jens play on like the Sunday. I'll go back and, and kind of see the team and, and see everyone I used to work with. So with her it was like she was already kind of starting to get nervous about things and she was like I'm not leaving my house man like we're not going anywhere like we were gonna go I think we were gonna go to Buffalo because she really wanted to go to Target and she's like we're not going to Buffalo like we're not going anywhere we're staying in my house so then I'm like watching the Kings game watching the Suns play and then she messages me like no like Tom Hanks and I'm just like holy crap so I think I had my phone, my laptop, and then I was watching the game on TV. And I just ke- started seeing all this stuff happening. I was like, Tom Hanks, like, no. And then and then the game gets postponed, and everyone's kind of like, what's going on? And I still had the Kings game on. Or I, I don't even know if that game had started yet, because that game was at 1030. So yeah,
0: it all happened before.
1: Yet. So, yeah. So, like, Tom Hanks happened. I'm, like, watching something on TV. And then the NBA thing happened. So I think I put that on and I'm like, what's going on? I have like Sham Sharnia up. I have like Woj's Twitter up on like tweet deck and my phone and you kind of just watch it all unfold. And then I think at some point, like the Kings game had started already, like once this happened and then there was like, this is going to, I think there was a moment for me where I was like, this is going to be the last game. Like, this is going to be the last pro game for sure. Like, there's no way that there's anything happening after this. And, you know, I, I understand why the NHL did it the way that they did. They're like, we're just going to sleep on it. Like, obviously, we're not going to make a, like a jump decision. Like, I, I don't think there was ever a question that they were going to hit pause. I think they just wanted to, you know, gather everyone together and do it in a more like organized fashion. But yeah, I don't even like it's so crazy. It was only like, what, two and a half, three weeks ago. And I still don't even really it's all feels like a bit of a blur, like the timeline of it all. I just all these things happened. And it was just crazy. Like it was one of the more wild sports nights I've ever been a part of. And yeah, I wasn't in California. I was sitting on my couch here and I still don't even really recall everything that happened because there was just so much
0: yeah we we all started following it it was almost overwhelming the way everything happened um I, I've been I've been following this kind of thing this story since it started in China in January just because it it really gave me a bad feeling and I was like ooh, this is not going to be good but so anyway uh and then it kind of started growing and growing and here in Toronto we got our first cases and everything like that and that night like i said it was just everything happened in a span of like three four hours and you know i started talking with my editors and everyone else the other all the team at silver seven and i started drawing up you know the the nhl suspends their season article because i was like okay this is a foregone conclusion at this point um and updates just kept pouring in and it was it was almost impossible to keep track of everything and like I said, it was just such a weird feeling, especially watching that third period of the Sens and the Kings game and knowing that this was going to, like you said, that this was going to be the last hockey for who knows how long. And it was a feeling that I've never had before and a feeling that I never <laughs> care to have again. Uh, yeah, I'm sure you agree. I, I hope I never experienced something like this again. But uh, a, one one thing that a lot of people were happy about that night was that the Sens lost and it was going to be the last game you know maybe the last game of the season and the Sens were going to finish in second last place uh, because LA beat them in regulation and you know obviously I don't think Sens fans had any kind of aspirations of winning the cup this year everyone was looking towards the draft lottery. So, with that putting them in a much better lottery position, I think the way it worked, the way it stands now, um, Ottawa's in second. Ottawa has the highest chances of getting second and third, I think, with the San Jose pick. Um, So, in terms of the lottery, uh, I want to kind of get your thoughts on that. Uh, There was a a plan that kind of came out earlier this week. The idea was floated around about having the lottery teams all play each other in some kind of tournament to get the first overall pick. I saw your reaction. I saw your reaction on Twitter. It was much the same as mine. It was like, "Uh, no, thank you. I
1: hate it. It's
0: awful. It doesn't make sense. I I said to, I think it was Steve Warren on Twitter, I said, you know, these teams can't win games. So the idea is to get them a first overall pick because they can't win games. But now we want to make them win a series of games to get a high pick it's nonsensical. It's, yeah. ca- it's, it's counterintuitive. Um, do you kind of want to go in depth on your thoughts there? Or?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's funny cause my colleague Craig Custance is the one that did that story and, and he's great. Like I, I really enjoy Craig's work. And when he's I made fantastic. that tweet, he replied, he replied to me and, and said like, Oh, boo. Like, <laughs> um, but yeah, the idea for me is just kind of, um, Yeah, like what? Like, I don't know. Like, you what you want? Detroit and the Senators to play, like, battle it out for uh, like Lafreniere essentially. And I mean, like you said, it's teams who are you know bottom of the standings. You know, don't really win that many games. Like, you what you want? Who, like, who would even? There's so. There's what 15 teams lottery. Yeah are you really going to have the senators play against like the New York Rangers who are like a bubble team? Like that's not like, none of that makes any, any sense at all to me. I appreciate the creativity. I appreciate people thinking outside the box. I think that's, you know, needed in this uncertain time. I think if there's ever a time to flip the switch and do things differently, it's now because of the unprecedented times, but it would just be really unfortunate if they were to do something that would really, Botch the Sens chances because yeah they have a 13.5 percent chance of the first overall pick with their own pick and then an additional 11.5 percent with the Sharks pick and then obviously that's number two and three and then whatever happens with with uh, the Islanders I believe right now that pick sits at 21st um, mm-hmm. so you know it would just be so you know <laughs> it would just be like this huge like middle finger to the Senators if they were to change the the way of the draft lottery you know all season we've been talking not even all season but or I guess all season like this has been the year and then ever since the trade deadline like this is the time for the Sens to have a potentially franchise altering uh NHL draft and then those lottery chances would just like go up in smoke like that would just be so typical like screw you Ottawa if they were to do yeah. that um
0: <laughs> Sens fans I'm t- I'm telling you, Sens fans have been looking forward to this draft since Eric Carlson was traded. Like it's been yeah, been like, that long. Been huge. That, yeah, it's been that long that they've been looking towards Lafreniere. So if they want to yeah. do this nonsensical thing now, Ottawa will burn. <laughs> like,
1: it would be like just the biggest cosmic joke, right? Like oh. congratulate. Like you end the season. You know, it, everything's really difficult. Everything that's happening in the world is is hard. But you know you possibly end the season with a loss you get you know great great chances to get the first overall pick technically a better percentage chance with both picks combined over Mm. detroit who has the 18.5 percent and then it would just be like the biggest sick cosmic joke to be like never mind like you have to play uh against like (laughs) minnesota or like chicago and then play against this team to get that pick like i'm just i pulled up tankathon to look at you know the 15 teams and like they were do it bracket style. Like it would just get so bad. Like some of the teams who were, you know, bubble lottery teams are good hockey clubs. Like there's no way the Sens would get the first overall pick if they somehow had to play against like Minnesota or Winnipeg or the Rangers, Columbus, Florida, like what? (laughs) Like it's, I don't know. It just doesn't make sense. And then, you know, try to get these teams to get the motivation to to play for that like what's san jose even gonna do
0: yeah exactly i think it was cj that said that he's like cj stevenson said that he's like ottawa has san jose's pick what's san jose gonna play for like like,
1: yeah it's i like i said i appreciate the creativity but then when you actually really start thinking about it it's like
0: what
1: (laughs) makes sense
0: it would be it would be peak ottawa i'll say that and this poor fan base has been through so much these last few years um yeah to have that ripped away from them would just be oh my god i i, I don't know what i would do i would do something drastic um, world friend sure. oh god but in terms of let's let's say hopefully that everything goes at least somewhat according to plan right i think somebody said yesterday that it doesn't seem like the lottery format's going to change too much which would obviously make sense, you know. Even if there is no season, then you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Uh, let's let's say the Senators, um, you know, let's let's just kind of think about where they could end up drafting. Um, obviously, if you if you go number one, you pick Alexi Lafreniere. He's the consensus number one. Yeah. He's head and shoulders above everyone else. Uh, do you think there's any debate about if let's say if they pick number two? Because I I'm all in Quinton Byfield. I think he's 100 percent the second best player in the draft. D- do you think there's some wiggle room there? I know people like Stutzel at number two. Uh, wh- wh- where's your head at if they if they end up picking number two?
1: Yeah, I know there's been a bit of like uh, conversation where some people are maybe trying to argue like, oh, because of maybe his performance at World Juniors, or because maybe he struggled a little bit here and there that Direct you know Byfield nice. has has dropped down, but you know, I I personally, if the Sens get the number two pick, I think you're picking Quinton Byfield. Um, he's big. Uh, he's very, very strong. He And he's a center. And he has the potential in the ceiling to be a number one center in the NHL. And the Sens do have some center depth. They really do. That Like, they have Logan Brown. They have Josh Norris. You have Colin White. But I just don't know if the ceiling for any of those three young players, they could be stars, but I don't think they are, consensus, you know, number one center in the NHL. And I think if you have the opportunity to do that, you draft Quinton Byfield to be your number one center. Um, for me, where maybe I start to like change my argument, and this is actually something that I was working on today, and it'll either be up tomorrow or on Tuesday on The Athletic, as you know, I went through Tankathon 5 times, simulated five drafts, and I'm doing a mock draft and talking through all of them. And, and some of them for me where I would argue to maybe – change um not the not the draft order but maybe like who you pick like if you get the opportunity like if you pick say you know like let's just say they don't get the first overall pick they get you know three and four or two and five like I don't think I'm picking Askarov if he's still on the board like personally I'm picking Jamie Drysdale or Marco Rossi higher than him or like before him if, if they're still on the board and if the Sens have a chance, like obviously Stitzel to Quinton Byfield, but let's just say they don't get one or two and they get three or four or five, six. Like I'm my priority would be like Stitzel drives or Rossi Drysdale over the, the highly ranked goaltending prospect. Maybe that's just me, but I think they have a lot of young goalies in the system. You can never have too many. But I don't know, like I really like Rossi's game and I really like Jamie Drysdale's game. So for me, I'm picking you you always say that you want to get the best player on the board. But for me, if those guys are on the board and, and so is Ascarov, like I'm picking Drysdale and Rossi over over the goalie. Is that yeah. just me?
0: No, you know, I'm definitely in agreement there. And I think a lot of people are too, you know, I, I, I agree. You can never have too many goalies, but at the same time, everybody needs to play. Right. Yeah. Marcus is going to be in the NHL next year. I don't think that's up for debate. He's been incredible this season. Uh, obviously, Craig Anderson's gone next year, so that leaves you Decord and Gustafsson in Belleville. You pick Askarov, sure, you, he goes back to you know Russia or he goes to junior. Um, but in time, he's going to need somewhere to play, and I think it does complicate things a bit. Yeah, I, I, and
1: I, you I, still have Mad Sogard
0: too. Oh, like, yes, yeah, I even Mad. forgot about Sogard, yeah.
1: And I mean, cause he's, he's like 18, 19 years old. He's still playing in the WHL, but, yep. and you know, to be fair, Rossi is ranked number four and Askarov is ranked number five. But for me, like if you end up with the, with the fifth overall pick somehow, like I'm not picking, I'm not picking Yaroslav Askarov. And I'm like, I know Holtz is on the board too, Raymond. Mm. And I think Jamie Drysdale is ranked eighth right now. Is but, he really? I well, on the on my colleague Corey Pronman's draft ranking at midseason, he had Drysdale as eighth. But I don't know. I think I'm. If you have the, if you get like three, you get uh, like three and five, or that would suck. Like that would be like that would probably be the worst case scenario for the Senators if they pick like three and five or five and six or four or whatever. Oh. Like if you get out of the top three, that sucks. But if your worst case scenario is getting like Jamie Drysdale and Marco Rossi, that's still pretty good. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. I like, I like Drysdale at number three. Like if I think if Ottawa's picking three, you pick Drysdale all day. Uh, over
1: Marco Rossi and Tim Stutzel.
0: Well, yeah. See Stutzel might complicate things a bit for me. It's that right defenseman, right? Um, yes, center obviously you know. a huge position of need. They need that number one center right now. Um, you know, give Brady Kachuk a number one center and see what happens. I think it's going to be incredible. But I, I like Drysdale as a partner for Shabbat, especially in the absence of DeMello now, which I still hate that trade. But <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, I do like Drysdale as number three. Um, but it like, it like, you know, Rossi, I think, is a good consolation if you don't get byfield. It comes down to what you feel is the more pressing need, right? Uh, whether it's the center or the right defense. And to your point, I think it is, I think, you know, now in hindsight, it is number one center just because they do have Bernard Docker in the system. They do have Lassie Thompson in the system. So you are going to have right side relief coming soon. Uh, I'm surprised Drysdale is that low though. Um, I think I thought...
1: that's like not accurate right as of right now. Like that was mid season right. Yeah. Like months ago. But if I, like, I, I don't know why I can't, Seem to find any proper rankings, but at least on like North American Central Scouting, yeah. For North American like skaters, uh, it's Lafreniere, Byfield, Drysdale, Perfetti, Marco Rossi.
0: Yeah. Do you do you have Perfetti above Rossi, or do you like Rossi better?
1: I personally like Rossi. Um, I think what he he's done with the sixty sevens this year is incredible. Like he's already played in Ottawa. Like he has comfort here. Um, I would personally pick Marco Rossi over Cole Perfetti, but that's just me.
0: No, I would too. Sorry if you're hearing thumping here. I got a herd of elephants living above me, I think. Well, I <laughs> it's thump-
1: okay. <laughs>
0: but uh, but yeah, no, I, I love Rossi too. Um,
1: and I that might they- just be biased because I've seen him play more. And like I said, I worked for... The Oshawa Generals. So I was at every single game. I've been to Ottawa for games and like I personally watched him destroy the team that I worked for in the past. <laughs> yeah. So the fact that I'm saying like go Marco Rossi and like setting my, you know, pr- previous team allegiances aside, um, like Marco Rossi, Ty Feliber, um, like they just destroyed our hopes and dreams last year when I worked for Oshawa. So
0: I, <laughs> I think you mentioned uh, how. People discount by or people have been discounting Byfield as well. I think what a lot of people need to remember is he's almost a full year younger than Alexi Lafreniere. Yeah. Uh, and he was playing fourth line minutes at the World Juniors. He was playing out of position. And when he went back to Sudbury through January and February, he had a wrist injury and he missed a ton of games. Yeah. So I think yeah, obviously I think the consensus is Lafreniere Byfield. I think if Ottawa ends up three, you're probably right. And I think they take Rossi from there. Uh, depending on whether they're fourth or fifth or sixth or or, or whatever uh, they kind of have some room to play with what in regards to whether they pick Stutzel or Drysdale but I, I just hope they don't change the lottery format especially that stupid yeah. tournament one thing I did want to ask you because I thought it would be interesting to get your perspective here Spencer and I talked about this last week we talked about Logan Brown and we talked about you know, obviously, I think that I, I don't think it's a stretch to say this season was kind of a disappointment for Logan Brown. Uh, but if Ottawa ends up with a center, if they end up with Quentin Byfield or they end up with Marco Rossi, what do you think that does to Logan Brown's status with the team? Do you think they immediately start maybe seeing him as more of a trade chip or do they give him kind of time to see if he rounds into that maybe second line center? Like, where do you think Logan Brown's place is? with the Ottawa Senators is if they end up drafting a center?
1: Um, Well, I think he's still going to be, well, I guess it depends on the player and where they're at, but I think Logan will still be ahead of some of those players, obviously, because they're a lot younger. They don't have any NHL experience. He's had a little bit. Um, I still think that there's a place for Logan Brown. I think, um, I don't know. I just, I don't think there's a big rush. I think, um, I don't know. I, I think he's a great power play specialist. I think he'll have his role on the Senators. I certainly think that, you know, um, end game ceiling for some of these players, then maybe he gets bumped down the lineup a little bit. Or like, Because I don't think Colin White's a first or second line center. I think ceiling, end game, you'll have Josh Norris as your number two. Um, and then maybe... Like I, I, my colleague Graham Nichols actually did a bit of an analysis before, like at the beginning of the season, he said, you know, why they should trade Pajot. Um, And then he started looking at some of Colin White's defensive stats. So if you can maybe look at Colin White as turning into that Pajot type two way, third line, fourth line player, and then maybe you get Byfield and then your center looks like Byfield, Norris, Brown, White. Um, That's pretty, pretty good. Right? Like, I think if Logan Brown gets knocked down the pecking order a little bit, I don't think that's an issue. And then, yeah, for sure. Maybe down the road he becomes expendable, but I think that's the case for anyone. Like I don't think that's just a Logan Brown problem. I think that's a, that's a depth thing. And that's a good problem to have maybe not for Logan Brown, um, but for the organization to have so many centers that someone you once thought was, yeah, he's going to be so great for us, then I think that's a good issue to have for the organization that you have so much center depth that you can maybe use them as a trade ship in the future to get somebody else. I don't think they're close to at, at that point yet. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm not on the ship of like trade Logan Brown. I'm not on the ship of, you know, he's, he's a wash. He's not there yet. I still think he's a good prospect. He's, he's only 22. I know he was drafted in 2016, but you know, there's a lot of prospects who take time and especially at the center position and especially the role that they want Logan Brown to be playing, you know, if they, they had him first, second line center for a little bit, like you're matching up against the best defense, the best forwards, and then you're on the power player against the best PKers in the league. Like you're not going to step into that role and be amazing unless you're maybe Alexi Lafreniere, Quentin Byfield. Yeah. It takes time and I'm not, I'm not on the like trade logan brown he's he's not good anymore train i'm just not
0: in his stint with ottawa he started off really well looked like a bona fide nhl player and then yeah and then the wheels kind of fell off what do you think went wrong with with his with his tenure with the Sens this year
1: i don't think anything went wrong i think that's just a case of showing that yeah like it was the conversation you know he had his goal or he had a really great stretch of the first few games and that's why, and maybe sometimes think it's just a coachism or it's nothing great, but, you know, that's why you start hearing the cliches of, yeah, it's great he did it, now can he do it some more? And you saw that with Nick Paul. He would have a stretch of good games like in the years previous, and he'd be like, yeah, he played pretty good for these last two games, but to play in the NHL you have to do that every single day. And mm-hmm. I don't know if this necessarily was an issue of, Logan Brown's game I think it's just you have like it's the NHL you have to have the conditioning the strength the fortitude to do that every single day and that takes time to do Um, I just I think it just showed and and that was the plan for the Sens they wanted to give guys you know a 20 game stint so it was a decent enough sample size to see what they have and yeah he trailed off a little bit um, but I think that's natural for a young player who's just maybe not ready to do that on a day-to-day-to-day really, really long season basis. And I don't think that's a problem per se. I think that's just natural if you're not ready. And I and I don't say he's not ready as a negative thing. It, I think it's just you're not ready and you need a bit more time.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great point. Bathurston was kind of similar last year when he came yeah. in for his first few games. He started off really well. Um, then the production fell off. And then he came back up this year in, um, at the beginning of the new year. And he, was, he looked like a man you know i the comparison yeah. i used he looked like a boy who was who was almost scared to be there last year and he looked like a yeah. man this year like he looked like he looked confident he looked like he belonged so i'm hoping we see the same thing from brown next year because i think he's got all the makings of a number 1 center he's so big he's so skilled some of the passes he made are just ridiculous oh his
1: vision is gross it's it's like, unreal he's great yeah it's
0: Spezza, I I, it's I, I get, almost
1: i get hated on sometimes like i don't know who it is but Like, I've tweeted some, like, clips of his passes, and, like, there's always this one guy who replies to me, like, (laughs) are you his agent? Like, are you Andy Scott? like, no, like, it's just a good pass. Like, I'm, uh, yeah, I've been accused of being um, part of Logan Brown's uh, agency.
0: Are you debunking Uh, that on the podcast right now?
1: Yes, I'm not (laughs) an agent. I'm not Andy Scott. I don't work for Andy Scott or Logan Brown. I just think he has good vision, and I think there's still NHL upside there. Do it's not
0: you a bad think, thing. <laughs> do you think that Josh Norris has surpassed him? Because that was something Spencer said last week. He said he thought that Norris had taken, had kind of leaped frog Brown on on the on the overall depth chart. Is that something you you're inclined to agree with?
1: Um, I think they play different games and different roles. Like I don't like I feel like Brown is more of that power play, um, super crafty, good hands, um, like passer playmaker where I think Josh just brings something a little bit different to the table. Um he's obviously not like six foot six. <laughs> <laughs> like he's uh, they're different players, but I think um I think if you're thinking finished product, that's the way that I try to think of it. Like if you're projecting their finished product um like on a competitive nhl team i think josh norris would be like a second or third line center if his game translates it's difficult for me when you know we talk about these things because neither of them really have the body of work in the nhl yet to really make that distinction for sure um but i i think in terms of finished product and the role that they'll play i think you know in the end josh norris will maybe be um higher on the order over logan brown um, But I think that would just come down to the role that they play, if that makes sense. It doesn't mean that Logan's not as good as Josh or Josh is way better than Logan. I think it's just um, when you're projecting, like, if everything works and this rebuild works and you look at a competitive Stanley Cup contending Senators team, I think Josh Norris will be higher in the lineup than Logan Brown because of the role that he'll play on the team. Mm-hmm. Um like, I've talked to some people who think, you know, there's a few things that Josh will need to fix in his game before he's NHL ready. And there's others who say, like, this kid's the real deal. He's going to be a second-line center. He's going to be great. Um, that's another thing that I've been working on. Like, I have so many stories I have on the go, and one of them's just looking at Josh Norris's rookie season. And, you know, if you just look statistically at what he's done, it's really impressive. But I think he has he has the intangibles and maybe a little bit of that it factor. Like, he's a really hard worker. Um, he is really, really invested into being a true professional. And I think that's really impressive. Like him and Alex Formanton, they had a competition this year of who could put on the most weight and who could keep it.
0: Oh, I love that. Two
1: professional league rookies who are trying to get strong and muscular. And that's part of the pro game that a lot of guys need to work on. You hear it all the time. He needs to work on his fitness. He needs to put on weight. And you have a guy like Josh Norris, who's brand new in this league and Alex Formanton and they're like I'm going to put on more weight than you and like they're roommates and they're you know trying to you know they're competing with each other to be strong and that's part of the professional game that a lot of young players maybe don't take seriously um and I'm not saying that that's um, not something that Logan did cuz that's completely separate but I think when you look at some of the intangibles like Josh I've heard you know he's really coachable he uh soaks everything in he's working really hard in the weight room and for that, like those intangibles, I think Josh maybe just has that it
0: factor. Oh, Haley, you just made my day with that. I'm so glad that those guys are doing that. Um, yeah, because that's 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 a great perspective to have because that's not something that you know. I have with, you know, just watching the team on TV and especially the casual fan doesn't have, right? Like this is not stuff that we hear every day. So that's great to hear. I'm glad that it's, you know, it's become an attitude thing more than it's been just a skill thing, especially with those two guys who both had such amazing seasons with Belleville. Uh do you want to answer some questions?
1: Sure. And I will just say like that's not to say that Logan hasn't been taking that seriously in the of course, aspect yeah. of the pro game like I, i've had a number of conversations with him and he started working out with a different trainer in st louis uh jeff Lavechio, this year and you know logan came into this year saying he's in the best shape of his life and you know he's done a lot of great training and stuff so i think you know that's certainly a part of the pro game that logan's taking seriously as well i just think mm-hmm. that was a, a nice little tidbit about josh and alex
0: yeah and he and and brown has had some injuries this year too that a lot of people forget about yeah. he missed a lot of the what ended up being the stretch run of the AHL season. Um, So yeah, let's get to some questions here. Uh, Jack wants to know coming from a Toronto market, have you noticed anything particularly unique about the senators fan base?
1: Um, Unique. Um,
0: Careful with your answer here. (laughs)
1: Well, I think like there's nobody like Brian in (laughs) Toronto. That's for sure. Like you have Steve Dangle, but Dangle's not like saying he's going to like throw someone into a table. (laughs) <laughs> um, like dangle's eccentric but i think brian five or six is like next level i think he's hilarious i think he's super funny i we think he's him. a great guy
0: he is a great he's guy
1: super unique, and he's like ottawa's own um yeah so you know i think he yeah i think once he like said something to dangle like in my mentions that he was going to like throw him into a glass table. And I was like, Oh dear. Like that was at the beginning of the season. So I was like, Oh my God, who is this guy? I was like, Holy crap. Um, So I think Brian's super unique. Um, I don't know. I think it's just like a good group of hockey fans. I think um, there's a lot of, like in Toronto, I think it's interesting. Like uh, some Leafs fans, like they're very angry. Like the Leafs are so like, they're, they're up there in the standings, right? Like they're, arguably playoff contenders there's there's been some issues in toronto this season for sure but leafs fans are like a, you would think that you know the leafs are maybe in a similar position as the sense with some of the stuff that you read leafs fans talking about um i think sense fans have a bit more fun with it sometimes yeah. i think certainly sense fans like have have their issues and they have their qualms with the team but you know i think it's funny like i think maybe it's i just follow the right people but i think You know, my interactions on Sen's Twitter have been like pretty fun. I think that's kind of cool. Like all things considered that happens in this market, like I think it's a good group of fans. But uniqueness, like Brian for sure. Sure.
0: I gotta get Brian on the podcast at some point. I love that guy. (laughs) He's awesome. I'm glad you think that. I'm glad you feel that way about Sense Twitter, because I've always said, you know, what a great community of people it is, and you know, even just away from the hockey side of it, I've had plenty of converse, plenty of conversations with people, just to, you know, just day to day random conversations, and everyone is so, so great, such nice people. And Maddie's one of those guys. So he wants to know about your favorite spots in Ottawa and your least favorite spots in Ottawa.
1: Is Maddie the one with the sword?
0: No, that's no, bo- that's chicken. that's Bosty. No, that's Bosty. Because
1: oh. <laughs> <laughs> he's another like. There's nobody with like swords. Nobody in Toronto ever asked me to eat like rotisserie chicken, <laughs> <laughs> like ever.
0: Your reaction, your reaction killed me when I had him on, and uh, we mentioned, and I mentioned that he gave you a, a shout out about the chicken and everything, and you were like, "What?" <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> I was just like, imagining I'm sorry. your confusion, like. <laughs> Like, I but, don't know what's happening. No, but Maddie's uh Maddie's boss, good friend. Uh, th- you'll always find them together, together on different threads and stuff talking about God knows what, but they're both great people. But yeah, favorite spots and least favorite spots in Ottawa.
1: Um. Yeah, I mean, I think this will just like highlight the fact that I don't really get out or do much. Like I'm literally only at my apartment with my dogs or <laughs> at the rink. So I don't really – I haven't done too much like so – like that's a really embarrassing question. Like I, I swear, like I don't think I've really gone out and done anything. Like I don't really have any favorites or least favorites, and I've lived here for like eight months, and I, that's really embarrassing. That's lack of my social life. <laughs> like I don't, I don't have any. Like I don't have a favorite or a least favorite. Like this if I'm good. on Uber Eats or something, like I'll get Pure Kitchen because um, okay. that's like healthy. Mm -hmm. um i really like my gym i work out at greco in little italy so i'll give them a shout out that's probably one of my favorite places i like going to the gym uh yeah like i'm yeah this is embarrassing i think i just outed myself as like a loser
0: it's just dedication (laughs) to your craft that's all Uh, yeah okay so tate wants to know what were the biggest on ice surprises in your first year covering the team
1: um, maybe coming from Toronto, and maybe uh, maybe surprise isn't the best, but I was like uh, super surprised and, and happy uh, to see what Connor Brown was able to accomplish this season. Like coming from Toronto and watching uh, Connor's role in, in the Leafs uh, maybe diminish a little bit, I was super surprised and, and happy uh, actually for the way that Connor Brown was able to play the season and the role that he had with the Senators. Um, I think I was also just. Uh, surprise probably isn't the best word, but I'd never really seen Thomas Shabbat live. Um, and watching that guy skate in person for the first time, I was like, Oh wow. Like, yeah, yeah. that's, he's smooth. And I think, you know, the game that he played almost 40 minutes, like he didn't even look gassed.
0: He's like, special. He's so, a special player. So
1: His skating is just so, so impressive. And I think seeing that up close for the first time was really impressive. Um, and then on ice to like practice, um, I always love seeing like Brady Kachuk practices tips. Like there was one <laughs> clip from Dallas, I think that came out of one of the guys like doing tips and everyone's like, Oh, this is amazing. This is art. I'm like, that's like a regular Tuesday morning for Brady Kachuk. Like he is always out there tipping pucks and he was doing it with DeMello a lot. He does it with Shabbat a lot. Everyone's just like chucking pucks on net or even just like at the corner along the boards every single day. He does at least like 10 to 20 like tips like, minimum. Um, so that was, and then seeing that translate in the game. Like, I'm so surprised and impressed uh, with with the way that Brady just owns his office in front of the net and his age. Like, just, I think people forget how young Brady Kachuk is. And then you see the way that he's able to dominate down low as a kid among grown men, like, huge grown men defensemen, the way that Brady just owns a crease. Um, I, I've been so, so pleasantly surprised with Brady Kachuk.
0: I can't wait till he's 25, 26. Oh my God. It's going to be so much fun to watch. Be a
1: absolute menace.
0: Tate also wants to know your thoughts on Tiger King. Did you finish it yet?
1: I did. And I, I'm like, I honestly don't even know what happened. Like <laughs> it's just like everything got so crazy. And I was like, I don't even like, I don't even know what I watched. Like it was about the zoo. And then like the spoiler that I tweeted that people yelled at me. That's not even a spoiler happened. Like that whole episode about, like, the controver- like did she feed him to the tigers? I don't know. And, like, just everything that happened, it was just a trip. Like, I don't yeah. even understand everything that I just watched. Like, yeah. it was just wild.
0: Yeah. And then the end when he was, like, was he set up? Was he not set up? Like, it was just, like, it felt like... And like, he's just,
1: like, still in jail. Like, what? Yeah.
0: <laughs> it felt like this weird COVID-19-induced fever dream. Like, it was just... I'm like, was that real? Like, did I just watch that? Um, And
1: like the fact that that happened in real life, like, why was this not bigger news? Like, how did I not hear about this until now? Like, this was what? So I don't know.
0: Imagine being the first person to watch that show and then letting everyone know about it. Like, how do you explain it?
1: (laughs) I don't like I was trying to explain it to someone the other day. I was just like, you should watch it. Like, it's a trip. Like, it's really weird and kind of dumb. And I don't even know what's going on, but like, you should watch it.
0: <laughs> it's definitely worth watching. Okay, this is yeah. going to be the hardest-hitting question of the day. Uh, Am I a wants- fan? No, 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 no. See, oh, I, I, was, okay. I was saving that one for an ambush. But, but uh, <laughs> James wants to get your position on iced coffee versus hot, and so do I. This is a contentious issue amongst Sense Twitter, so really consider your answer carefully. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh.
1: Spencer, like when I'm I- home? oh sorry yeah. go ahead no i
0: was just gonna say like spencer and i we are the arbiters of iced coffee hive on Sense twitter so like i said we're, we're big on our iced coffee so so what are your okay. thoughts on it
1: like in the so for me like if i'm at starbucks and i'm in the drive-thru and i'm feeling like i want something more than just like a black coffee i'll get like a caramel macchiato and it'll be middle of february a blizzard and they'll be like hot or iced and I'll literally be like, "Why would I ever get an iced coffee in February?" Oh, At Starbucks! It's freezing cold. My hands are cold. I have the heat blasted. Like, why would I get an iced coffee in like the dead of winter? Like, why?
0: Do you drink so, Do you drink hot water during the winter?
1: Yeah, like tea.
0: Okay, well, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> like I don't just like boil a pot of hot water, but like
0: that's what I mean. Coffee's I the same like, for same me. Deal. Like
1: in this coffee like if I'm at home so say I'm at home like I have an espresso or a French press and it's always hot if I am because usually if I'm going out to get a coffee I'm going to be leaving my car I'm going to go into the rink like I'm not going to bring an iced coffee into an ice cold hockey rink um but like in the summer I will get an iced coffee like I will get a cold brew I'll get like a venti iced coffee I love iced coffee but in the winter if you ask me if I want it hot or iced I'm gonna like look at you funny because i'm not getting a nice (laughs) coffee in february
0: Uh, i guess that's like a a somewhat acceptable answer it's Uh, so um,
1: cold why would i want anything (laughs) to make me even more cold like ottawa it's freezing here
0: (laughs) yeah coming from toronto i guess that makes sense like i I came i came from sudbury right when i moved to toronto and everyone's like it's so cold i'm like do you realize how cold it is back home right now like give me a break Uh, Yeah. Did you want to address the Leafs fan thing? Because I know that's something you've been asked about.
1: Everyone asks me that, and I get it all the time. People say I'm like a closet Leafs fan. Um, Like, I grew up in Toronto. I've been to Leafs games. Like, I will watch the Leafs when they're on TV. But, like, fandom for me as a kid, and I might get roasted for this anyways, because, like, I wasn't a Sens fan. Like, let's just say that. Like, I didn't grow up in Ottawa. I wasn't a Sens fan growing up. I was a die-hard Pittsburgh Penguins
0: fan. Oh, that's worse than being a Leafs yeah. fan.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, but for me, it was like growing up. I was always watching TV, like hockey Night in Canada was a staple. So obviously, I grew up watching the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, but I think like the first hockey game that uh, I remember like passionately caring about was the '05 uh, Memorial Cup, because so I was a big junior hockey fan. I grew up in okay well storms games as a kid like I grew up with the storm uh, at the odd with the Kitchener Rangers Uh, we would go to London for Knights games like I we were big junior hockey people Um, so the 05 Memorial Cup with the London Knights and Ramouski, I remember like oh I really latched on to Crosby obviously and Corey Perry was one of my favorite hockey players as well growing up so that 05 Memorial Cup game was like huge for me and then I remember watching the draft and, and watching Crosby go to the Penguins that year, um, and then my mom's French Canadian, so she was always a Mario Lemieux fan. So we would watch Penguins games because of Mario, because she she loved him. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of a mixed bag. And then um, you know we went to Pittsburgh every year as a kid. Um, like I met Sidney Crosby when I was really little, so I think that just like that impacted me huge. Like it impacted me hugely. So like Crosby growing up was like a big idol to me. Um, like I was just in that age group. Like where he was starting to come up and I was young and and easily influenced right so he was a big role model for me like as a young kid getting into hockey so I was a huge Penguins fan huge Penguins fan so like if the like I was like obviously from being from the Toronto area my dad's a Leafs fan like I bought him a Tavares jersey for Christmas like he loves the Leafs but like if the Leafs and Penguins were playing against each other I would cheer for the Penguins but, you know, working in hockey now, like, I'm not a fan of anything. Like, of course, now, yeah. Once I started working in hockey, that fandom kind of goes away. Like, you very quickly, like, you don't cheer for anybody anymore, like – like I went to Pittsburgh and I covered the team. Like that was a team I cheered for. Like I'd been in that building as a fan, but you go in there and it's just business, right? So mm-hmm. everyone always asks me like, who am I a fan of? And I'm like, I'm just a fan of hockey. Like I, I'm not a fan of a team anymore. But as a kid, I was a huge Pittsburgh Penguins fan.
0: Because some people in the industry are fans. Like Pete Blackburn makes it really clear that he's a Bruins fan, you know? <laughs> like, like, uh, I, I always yeah. like I was like guys like that, you know? I like, I enjoy the honesty aspect of it.
1: To each their own but like for me and maybe it's a little bit more so maybe because like I grew up everyone would just call me a bandwagon jumper and Mm -hmm. and then I think there's maybe a bit of like the being a female aspect too. like I think females get it more than men like I think so. I say I'm like a hockey reporter. They're just like, oh, you just like want to meet X player or X said. So I very much took the fandom out of it for myself very early on to avoid any of those conversations. And I still get it, right? Like I get it all the time. People just say I'm a Leafs fan or people just say I like Austin Matthews or, oh, you just, you just love Sidney Crosby. And it's like, well, yeah, it was like a kid when he was playing, like when he was first starting, like obviously yeah. as a kid. Like, you love most kids loved Sidney Crosby. Like, most young kids had Crosby jerseys. and
0: I did world.
1: not. <laughs> well, that's weird. But what? Um,
0: I'm, yeah, I'm a fair. Sense fan. Do you have any idea how many times he's ruined my life? Like, in the playoffs? Like, it's been like three times Sidney Crosby's just broke my heart. No, I do not love Sidney Crosby. Definitely, kid.
1: like, remember watching that um, like Eastern Conference final.
0: Oh, thank you for bringing that up. <laughs>
1: It was, I remember like it was the first uh, day of training camp and um, somebody asked Ron Hainsey about that playoff series. It was kind of funny.
0: Well, you just made my decision of whether or not I'm going to drink tonight. So thank you, Haley.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But yes, I'm not a Leafs fan. I was a Penguins fan, but I'm not a fan of anything anymore.
0: Makes sense.
1: Just, uh, that makes me sound so cold hearted and mean, but it's all business.
0: Are you still a fan of Tom Brady?
1: Yeah, <laughs> I'm still a Patriots fan. I uh, click. No, it's funny. And I was talking to Joey DeCord about that actually, because he's like from Boston. Like yeah, he I... refuses to watch ESPN and
0: Colin White too.
1: I'm like, yeah, yeah. And I was just like, are you gonna? be a Bucks fan now and he's like well no I'm still a, I'm still a New England fan but I'm obviously still a Tom Brady fan because he gave like 20 years to our our city and I've been watching him my whole life so like I'll watch I'll obviously like I think most people even if you're not a fan even if you like hate watch Tom Brady I think most people are going to watch his debut at Tampa oh, but yeah. like if the, if the Patriots make the Super Bowl again because of Bill Belichick I'm still a Patriots fan but like I'm going to watch Tom Brady for sure like he's one of the best quarterbacks in the game yeah. maybe not so much anymore but I'm finding,
0: I'm finding there's a lot more new bucks fans coming out of nowhere and here's me that's been cheering for this team for since I was a little kid and I, I tell people I'm a bucks fan they look at me and they go why <laughs> like, good question yeah but, that's
1: a random one
0: yeah, yeah I know I'm not getting it I'm not getting that much that much anymore though so I, I'm glad I'm I'm thankful for Tom Brady for that anyway. But uh but yeah, he uh, I, I always used to beg on Tom Brady. I hated Tom Brady. And I tweeted when it was rumored that he was gonna sign with the Bucks. I said, if he signs with Tampa, I will delete every Tom Brady tweet I've ever made. I will immediately pivot to calling him the GOAT, and I might even buy his book. Like I'm not sorry. Like I'll go full I'll go full heel turn, I'll go full Turn to the dark side with this, and I have. He's my profile picture on Twitter. I don't know if you noticed that, Haley. Haley. Yeah,
1: I noticed. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah, I did. <laughs> i but, but yeah, that seems like a good spot to wrap it up. Uh, Haley, thank you so much for doing this. This has been awesome. Uh, you're a pleasure to talk to. And I, I subscribed to the Athletic not long ago, and uh, you guys, all of you, use CJ uh, Graham. You guys all validate it every time. So thank you so much for that. Um, at Haley underscore Salvian on Twitter, right? Um, that's right right
1: i think so, <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> everyone uh, always asks me like where can we find your stuff and i'm like oh i don't know
0: <laughs> <laughs> anything else you want to tell the people about
1: just don't hate me because i said i'm a penguins fan now i'm worried because <laughs> you said that's even worse like i'm not anymore i swear like
0: this i'm in ottawa the, now <laughs> this might be the way Haley gets cancelled hashtag Haley Salvian yeah, is over party now i'm
1: worried we Should edit that out, right? Is that allowed?
0: Oh, uh, we'll see. I don't know. You That's reminded awesome. me of that conference final, so now I'm kind of less obligated to, or I feel less obligated to. It's Here. the
1: hill I'm gonna die in. You know what? <laughs> I was a kid, it's fine, like it's over now,
0: guys. Definitely subscribe People to the episode. <laughs> Yeah, subscribe to The Athletic. You're out of your tree if you don't because it's some great sports content. Content If you're a sports fan, you've got to do it. Just plain as that. Uh, Thank you guys for listening. As always, I'm Brandon Mackey uh, for Haley. Find me on Twitter at Brandon Mackey 6 Check out my work at Silver7. Find the podcast at Internal Budget. If you like it, subscribe on Patreon. I would really appreciate it. This has been episode, al- episode, oh god, episode eleven, episode Alfie of Internal Budget. Uh, thank you guys for listening. We will see you next week. Take care.